Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. Where are your favorite local apple orchards? Who makes the best apple cider donuts? Should a tart apple like the Sierra Beauty star in your apple pie? Or should you go for a sweet variety like Golden Delicious? Coming up on Seasoned, Amy Traverso, author of the Apple Lover's Cookbook, is our guest for the hour. And we're taking your calls. Got a question about apples or want to shout out your favorite pick-your-own-farm or apple-studded fritters? Join the conversation. We want to know how you cook with apples. Share your tips for making homemade apple pie, apple butter, or better still, a mulled cider. Autumn is here, and there are plenty of delicious ways to get your apple a day. And we want to hear from apple lovers like you. We're live. We're staring at each other, which is great, and we're happy to be here. We can't wait to take phone calls, but you know what else we've got today, Marisol? We have a great guest. (gasps) I can't wait. Amy Traverso is our guest today. She's the author of the Apple Lover's Cookbook, and she's also the senior food editor at Yankee Magazine. So literally, if there's anybody who knows about great orchards and apple varieties all over New England, it's Amy. (laughs) Hello, Amy. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm great. I, uh, you know, all things considered, doing great. I am happy it's apple season. (gasps) It's a distraction. Yeah. So, Amy, you live in Massachusetts, but your heart clearly belongs to the Nutmeg State, right? Connecticut? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I grew up there. I grew up in Windsor, Connecticut, and um, very fond of my home state. Fantastic. Do you have any memories growing up in Connecticut of apple picking or being drawn to apples, apple orchards, apple cider donuts? A hundred percent. We were an apple picking family. It was like a very consistent ritual. Um, So I would say my home orchard is Belltown in Glastonbury, um, which is just a remarkably beautiful piece of land, like these kind of mini rolling hills. Like it's Mm. a fully, have you been there? It's like I have not. Have you been there, Chef? Yes. Rolly. <laughs> Absolutely. It looks like a movie. Like for me, yes. you know, it kind of reminds me of almost wine country-ish when you look at like places out in California, yes. all the hills. Yeah. It's really cool. Totally. It's like a lot of little hills in this one farm. And so you're kind of taking the tractor ride out to go pick and you're just getting these little views of, you know, seeing up over things and then going down into a little kind of holler and then going up again. (laughs) Oh, it's just great. And they make fantastic apple fritters. So that was a huge part of growing up. And my grandmother made the best apple crisp, which my mom then made. Um, And it's a little different from the typical apple crisp. So um, yeah, I definitely was very fond of apples. Apples is, uh, for me, it's like American. It's it's apple pie, Mm. you know, it's delicious. Apple crisp, fantastic. What was uh, like your the thing about the apple crisp that kind of really set you off that your grandma used to make? So this apple crisp and it's in the it's in my book, which is the Apple Lovers Cookbook. Um, okay, do you know what page? Because I'm literally oh, leafing it. through it right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you there. <laughs> Give me just one sec. The difference with this is unlike the kind of oat topped, you know, apple crisp, mm-hmm. right? That you probably no. This one has the the topping is just flour, sugar, an egg butter, cinnamon, and a little baking powder. So there's just nothing. There's no liquid. There's no oats. And the the texture is almost like a cross between 
like a pie. Okay, so it's on page 205. 205. I got it's, it. It's like a cookie and a cake and a biscuit. It's like a cross between a cookie and a biscuit. Mm, I like that. It's delicious. I like that and idea. Uh, it's amazing. And it actually came from this 1945 edition of Country Gentleman magazine mm -hmm. that my mother uh, cut uh, out. And actually, I still have it. I have her clipping. Are you, um, and by so her, you mean actually, Grandma Mary Quagliaroli? Grandma Mary. Oh, my god. Yeah, who lived in Windsor Locks. Wow, how about that? How about that? Yeah. I mean, that, it's so funny because you think about apples and people, I don't know if they fully understand how versatile the apple can be. You know, it can be dessert, it can be savory. There's so many places all over the board with it, you know, and uh, I think the different varieties also kind of play a role in that, wouldn't you say, Amy? Absolutely. Now, there are about 7,000 varieties grown commercially wow. uh, around the world, That and there are really far more than that, but... They range so much. I mean, some apples have flavors of berries. Some taste a little bit spicy. Some taste kind of green and vegetal, like the Granny Smith has almost that, like, green pepper flavor. Right. Um, some are very lemony. And so you really can, you know, if you think about foods that you might squeeze some lemon into, um, you know, if, if you kind of broaden your thinking about apples, if you have a high acid apple, I have a great recipe for like a brisket that's braised in hard cider with green apples and it works perfectly. Wow. And I thought beef and apples, but it really works if you're using like a high acid apple. But the challenge with cooking with apples is that there's so many varieties, even in a supermarket, um, where you would have normally like strawberries, oranges, lemons, and then you have, you know, Gala, Granny Smith, mm. you know, yeah. Pink Lady, and they don't say what they're good for. So the book, the whole idea of the book was to take all these varieties and break them down into categories so that you know the best apple for what you want to cook. Wow. You know, you brought up a really good thing there talking about just, you said cider. And to me, you know, I think... I don't, Marisol, the first place you go is thinking hard cider right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got John from Westerly calling in right now. John, how are you? I'm great. How are you? We are fantastic. Now, you have a cidery out there. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, we have a winery and cidery in Westerly. It's called Tapped Apple Cidery and Winery. Wow, I love that. Now, what type of apples do you use for your cider? We use a blend of apples um, and um you know, in the 20s, they cut down all the apple trees, and apple trees back then were primarily grown for hard cider. So what we have been able to, what we're doing is uh, we planted special cider-specific apples, and we have also a secret ingredient, which is uh, crab apples, believe it or not. Yeah. Which we, um, that makes sense. Use. Yeah. Yep. Four John, different varieties of I'm on your website. Are you John Weidenheft the third, the fourth, or the fifth? Because on your website, there are three of you. <laughs> I'm John the Third. Excellent. You're the ch he's the chief wine taster. There you go. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, so it's a family affair. That's me, my son, my grandson. My wife is involved. Well, John, we can't wait to check it out. I want to come out there and have some cider for sure. We appreciate you. Thank you very, very much. Amy, when it comes to cider, uh, is there a specific choice for you or something you like a lot? Oh, God, I love cider. Honestly, we drink way more cider in our house than beer or wine. And that, maybe that's not surprising, but, you know, it, uh, given <laughs> given me, but my husband also <laughs> loves it. And I, I think cider, cider is a pretty, it's a pretty fast-growing beverage category, um, one of the fastest-growing ones in the country right now. Especially with all the gluten-free people out there. Yeah, yeah seriously. 
Um, and also, it's like fully local. You can do the kind of wine tour of cideries all over New England. Um, and there's so many good ones. So, I mean, truly so many good ones. I'm having a hard time keeping up because I think a lot of apple orchards are figuring out that like, hey, we're making this juice, this apple juice cider. We could ferment this and actually like help support our farm. Um, and thank goodness, because cider isn't, it's it's not like it's easy to make good cider because you have to obviously kind of figure out the right blending and the right techniques. But the process is not complicated. I mean, you're taking juice and you're fermenting it. It's not like, right. which is a lot more labor intensive. So, um, yeah. So I'm glad to see that explosion in cideries. Well, give us a call out here and talk. We're talking to Amy Traverso. She is an apple expert, and she, we're talking all about uh, orchards and everything else. Uh, Marisol, who can they call? Where do they call us to get in here? Please call us. Yes, the number is 888-720-9677, 888-720-WNPR. We're talking live to Amy Traverso. She is the author of the Apple Lover's Cookbook, The Classic Guide to Cooking and Eating apples call in and tell us some of your favorite orchards or tell us some of your favorite apple recipes we'd love to talk about them so amy why apples why apples you know um the honest answer is i had um i had a friend who was a literary agent and we were talking about working together we wanted to do a project and she she said i think there's a need for an apple cookbook and I had just gotten married in an apple orchard and it had become this kind of harvest festival disguised as a wedding. Um, you know, everything <laughs> got very appley very quickly. So I so much had apples on the brain when she said this that I kind of, I jumped on it. And when I started doing the research on apples, I really got intoxicated by just the facts of it. Uh, like apples, we were talking about apples being all American. Apples actually originate in sort of the border between China and Kazakhstan. What? And it, wow. I know. Wow. I mean, I, I almost fell over when I read this. It, Never would have guessed. Say the Litchfield Hills, like these kind of not super high hills um, covered in fruit trees. That's basically where the apple began. There's these hills. There's a massive mountain range called the Tian Shan Mountain Range, but there are foothills that lead up to it that were covered in wild fruit, not just apples, but like apricots and pears and so traders would move, would pass through these forests on their way to, on their trade routes, and they would pick up the apples and, you know, take them with them because they keep well and they, um, you know, they're sweet and delicious. And so they began spreading them. Probably animals also ate the fruit and spread them. Um, and then they made their way and you see them showing up in ancient Persian literature and ancient Greek literature. And then they make their way into the Roman Empire and the Romans take them north all the way up to England where they thrive. And then they come to America. So so there are only crab apples when the first Europeans arrived. That's so interesting. Um, they brought the apples. So that alone kind of made me super excited. And then when I realized there are thousands of varieties and each of them is different and each of them has this history, like there's an apple called the Roxbury Russet that mm. um, you find in Connecticut at a bunch of orchards. Um, it's the oldest American apple. It dates back to about the 1630s, as far as we can tell. And because of the way apples reproduce, um, you can't just plant a seed and get the same apple variety. They're they're heterozygous, which means you know they combine genes and they scramble them and this, yeah, like a pull of the um, slot machine. So <laughs> in order to reproduce an apple, you need to clone it. You need to take a a branch off of a tree and and graft it onto another tree. So 
the, when you think about that Roxbury russet apple, that is literally a cutting of a cutting of a cutting of a cutting of that first tree in 1630. That's crazy. Holy smokes, I'm exhausted. I my love that. brain <laughs> is like, I, I can't even tell you what my brain is doing right now. What was that word again? Hetero, <laughs> what was that word? Heterozygous. So, ah, like, heterozygous. Are heterozygous. So, we yes. combine our, the genes from the yes. mother and the father. And likewise, apples. Combined like the zygote. The yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the zygote. You're, we're speaking live to Amy Traverso. She is the author of The Apple Lover's Cookbook. You are listening to Seasoned Live. More on apples and Amy Traverso on the other side of the break. Welcome back to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro. With and I'm Chef Plum. Mr. Chef Plum. We are live right now from our illustrious studio, and we're taking calls. We are. We're talking all about your favorite orchards, your favorite apple recipes. You can give us a call and talk to both of us. And, of course, our wonderful apple expert hanging out with us today, Amy Traverso. Our number, 888-720-9677 or 888-720-WNPR. I love your deep you like that? radio voice, Plum, <laughs> by the way. Amy, don't you love it? It's terrible. It is. It's a great voice. Well, he's doing it for you. He's showing off for you. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, before we jump into it, can we, we got a, a call I think it'd be really fun oh. to go to here. Let's, uh, let's just jump here and see what Maxwell is on the line. Maxwell wants to talk about Blue Hill Orchards. Maxwell, how are you? I'm doing good. I just want to say that Blue Hills is great. I really enjoyed their uh, Macintosh apples. And I know they also send some of their apples to the New England Cider Company also in Wallingford, and they make a great product, too. Very cool. You're absolutely right about that. And I'll tell you what, Macintosh apples are one of my favorite apples as well. Amy, how do you feel about Macintosh apples? Love them, love them. Um, the the thing to know about them is they're very tender, um, So, which means they cook down really quickly. Um, so if they're great for for cider and for applesauce. Not so great for apple pie. The flavor's awesome, but you end up with kind of a very soupy apple pie. Um, not to turn your my nose up at it, because that's actually one of my grandmothers used to make apple pie with Macintosh. And I love I loved her pie, but it's it's not the sort of solid slices that you might imagine in an apple pie. Um, but boy, is it a good tasting apple. And just for eating fresh too, tends to ripen early. So like get out there now if you want to pick Macintosh, because they are they're ripe, and some of them are already uh, picked out this time of year. I have to tell you, so I, I have not put your cookbook down since it was put into my cold, dead hands. Um, you have... <laughs> Sounds terrible. I was quoting someone I don't like. I'm sorry. Okay, um, listen, so here's the deal. You have 35 pages of just apple varieties, starting with ambrosia and ending with zabergar... Zabergau Raynette, did I say that correctly? Yes, yes. Oh my goodness gracious. Yes, and I mean, we, we have, so so I got, so, I really got nerdy on this. I thought this was going to be a simple cookbook with, you know, some nice recipes and stuff. But once I started digging into apples, I got so into it. And um, so, yes, these apple varieties, um, some of them are European, some, a lot, you know, many are American, many are local to New England. And I talk about their best use, the history, um, what they taste like, what's their texture, how do you, you know, how do you cook with them, um, when are they in season, can you store them? And there mm. are apples that you can store for months and months in your fridge 
Um, in a, I, I recommend putting them in a, plastic, a paper bag in your uh, produce drawer. And if you don't have a paper bag, huh. just take a plastic bag and poke some holes in it. Um, and there are apples like uh, old ones, like say uh, Roxbury Russet, like we were talking about, and new varieties like Cosmic Crisp, um, which just hit the market last year. And their claim uh, is that that apple will store really well for an entire year. Wow, right? that's crazy. That's, that's yeah. A, that's so, insane. and the apples are just beautiful. I mean, there's these beautiful photos of them, and I just I love to look at them. Um, and I hear from friends who have little kids that they love the kids. Just really like to look at these apple pictures. Um, and so, yeah, we went pretty deep on seventy varieties. And then on page thirty-one, you can thirty-two. Sorry, you can see that these apples are all organized into these categories, like oh, yeah. firm tart. Um, and those are going to be like the more tart apples that really hold their shape when you cook them. So those are great for pies. Firm sweet, which is also, you know, obviously the same, but sweeter. And then the tender apples, tender tart and tender sweet, which would be better for like sauces, for soups, for applesauce, um, and for quick cooking things like pancakes or muffins, anything that doesn't need to bake a long time and won't cause them to get really soft and mushy. I mean, there's so much information in this book. I love it. And we, you touched on pies, and I definitely want to talk more about pies because who doesn't love a great apple pie? But I kind of have my own apple pie expert, Amy, I want to introduce you to. We got her Ooh. on the line mm -hmm. right now. We've got Patty from Brookfield, who is my wonderful mother-in-law. Hey, Patty. Oh. Hi, Tom. Hey, How are you? Listen, I, we're talking all about apples, and your apple pie has been a staple in the family for years and years. I mean, the kids even want it for uh, birthdays and all the holidays. I mean, they even want it even on Arbor Day, which is not even a real holiday, but that's when they want the pie. <laughs> right. It's an right. ama It's delicious. How many years have you, have you been making this pie? 45. What? You don't even years. sound like you're 45, Patty. <laughs> Hi, thanks for calling and sharing your, your wisdom with us. You're welcome. I love it. It's so much fun. Apple pie is just really, it's just so great. Uh, I grew up with it. My husband grew up with it. Always homemade and, you know, just really delicious. And, of course, we passed it on to all the children and grandchildren, and everybody loves it. Even the grandchildren, a lot of them know all the steps to make it now, so it's really cute. Well, the recipe, has it changed a lot over the years at all, over 45 years of making it? Absolutely not. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> not one iota. Are you crazy, Plum? Crazy. You're going to mess with an original recipe? Definitely, definitely not. 100% not. So, uh, Patty, uh, I, I keep wanting to say Dewey because my kids call her Dewey, but Patty, um, because she's the doer, she does anything the kids want. I uh, love it, Dewey. Um, what is your number one tip, Dewey, for, for making an apple pie for someone? Well, actually, this is interesting because listening to your previous guest, my ideas about pie are a little bit different. Um, I definitely use Macintosh apples, partially because they do become soft. And I like an apple pie where everything really blends together and you're not feeling um, a firmer texture of apples. I, all, you know, the cinnamon and the nutmeg and a little bit of uh, flour with the sugar when it all bakes together, it's, it just melts in your mouth and it's really delicious. <laughs> but obviously there's a lot of, you know, different interest in apple pies, but that is slice your apples very thin so they will soften. Um, Oh, we'll have to have a bake-off, right? Oh, yes, geez. and I want to be the quality control person for that bake-off. <laughs> well, let me just add that I do like to throw a couple of Macintosh in my apple pie so that you have, like, 
the firmer slices suspended in a nice sauce. Ooh. That's a really nice combination in my mind. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, Dewey, we got to have a, an apple pie tonight. I'll expect one at the door when I get home. Uh, I'm excited to have that. Thanks for volunteering to do that. Dewey, I don't know where you live, but I expect one also. Thanks in advance. <laughs> Just send your ass. I'll have it delivered. All over and over. <laughs> Yay! There we go. There we go. Thank you, Patty. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. There, there we go. I and mean, that's a great apple pie tip right there. And literally, her apple pie has just changed lives in my family and what mm -hmm. I mean in my family, my friends who come over. Everyone loves her apple pie. It's, it's fantastic. Um, Amy, talk about, you know, apple pie for you. What are some of those things that you think are super important when it comes to making a pie? So I like to make a deep dish apple pie because, you know, why not have more apples? Um, I think it's just a really nice ratio. I make a really, I have, I love my pie crust. Like I'm, I'm generally Thank pretty self -pacing, mm -hmm. but I think my apple pie crust, my pie crust is like the best pie crust. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because two things as I'm listening to Patty and I'm, I'm listening to you. It, it literally, and, and Plum knows this, I'm not a classically trained chef, but I know my way around the kitchen. But I, here I thought, okay, I'm just going to get whichever apples I happen upon. But there is apparently a science to apples and what they do once you decide to bake them and put them into a pie. But I'm also thinking about the crust. Can you tell us your recipe for apple pie and especially your crust, especially because Plum made us... <laughs> I don't even know what this is, but I just destroyed it in about two seconds flat. <laughs> it's like an inside-out apple with a crust on top. It's, it's scrumptious. Um, so I'm just going to eat, and I'll you tell last. us. I'll do mine last. Yes. Let her tell, tell us hers. hers tell us your recipe, please. Okay. So um, so the, the uh, let's see. The TLDR on my crust is basically it's like a high – it's a pretty high butter. It's got a good amount of butter in it. Um, and it almost, it gets super flaky and layered. So it's almost like a cr cross between um, a pie crust and a puff pastry. Mm. The way I do that is just, I mix it with my hands. And so you, you have your flour, a little bit of sugar, kosher salt and butter, and then ice water. It's, it's nothing. There's no funny ingredients. There's no vinegar. There's no vodka there. You know, there's different <laughs> things people um, to make pie crust, this is a s simple ingredients, but the technique I like to use is I cut the butter into these little cubes and then I rub them into the flour quickly. Not, not, I don't want to linger because you don't want the butter to melt, but you're basically using your, you're rubbing your thumb against the backs of your fingers like you're making the universal sign for money. And as you do that, you're creating these little butter flakes. And I, the second you that, said that, Marisol and I both just started doing it. We're like, okay. <laughs> Universal sign for money or rubbing butter into your that's pie right, crust. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And so you, by doing that, you create the flakes. And so you do that until the flour looks yellowish, looks a little bit like a little bit buttercup colored. Um, but you still want chunks, some pieces of butter. So you stop when you get to that point. You add your ice water. You mix it up. Let it sit in the fridge for, you know, an hour or so to let the moisture kind of distribute evenly through the crust. And then you can roll it out. And then for the deep dish apple pie, one of the challenges, and I'm sure everyone who's listening has seen this, when you make sometimes a deep dish apple pie, you end up with the apples cooked down, the crust sets. And so you have this big gap between yeah. the crust and the, the fruit. Again, like we're talking apple pie. It's not the end of the world. Like any apple pie is going to be... <laughs> pretty great. But if you want to kind of solve that problem, what you can do is you, you, 
pre-cook the apples slices just a bit, um, just until they start to give off some of their juice in like a Dutch oven with, uh, and you cook them with some sugar and some lemon juice and some cinnamon. Because what happens is you start to create a little caramel almost in there. It's, it concentrates, definitely concentrates the sweetness a little bit. Um, and you don't need to do it for a long time, but what that does is it sets the pectin in the apples. And so it prevents them from shrinking down further. So then what I do is I just lay them out on a, um, rimmed baking sheet, throw them in the freezer for 10 minutes, just so they can cool to room temperature. Um, and then I can put those in the pie, put the top pie crust on and they will, the, the apples will go all the way up to the top and it'll be just a beautiful, really nicely sliceable apple pie. Man, it just sounds absolutely it's, delicious. And I'm envisioning making this, and then your whole house home right? smells so delicious. Oh, my delicious. God. Yeah, yes. amazing. Between the crust and the apples and the cinnamon, oh, my gosh. Well, I want to take another call here. We've got Greg calling us from Southington. He's going back to talking about the Cosmic Crisp and wants to talk a little bit about that and how you know it's a little hard to get around here. Greg, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm good, good. How are you guys today? We are living Fantastic. the dream, my friend. Let's talk about Cosmic Crisp a little bit. So Cosmic Crisp is a, an exclusive club apple that only growers in the Northwest, in Washington State, can grow. You have to buy into this club, and they won't allow anyone else to get the trees. What? And they really? Spent, they spent like $23 million on advertising the launch of the apple, and that's why there's so much buzz about it. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I didn't know so anything about the, that. The, lo- the local alternative, so you're in New England, right? So Evercrisp is the local alternative. It oh. stores extremely well, just nice. like Cosmic Crisp. It's a late-season apple that has like almost like a sweet candy apple taste and is very firm. Wow. Greg, so, we appreciate so that. That's fantastic. Go out and ask for Evercrisp when you go to Orchard, because asking for Cosmic Crisp is like it's not going to happen. Evercrisp yeah. apples it is. Greg, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's a great tip. Yeah, that's a fantastic tip. Amy, have you seen these Evercrisps? Yes, those are great. Um, and yeah, it's true about Cosmic Crisp. I, I, um, it, I see, I totally see both sides of this argument that um, it's, it, is a, it is a sales strategy for the breeders to basically, it's a, it's a club, you have to pay it. They did the same thing with Honey Crisp. Um, it's almost like kind of a, it's a drug, it's, you know how there's generic drugs and then there's brand name drugs. Yeah. yeah. And after a certain amount of time, they all become generic. Well, that's kind of the case with apples. So eventually, smaller farms will be able to grow Cosmic Crisp. But it takes so much time and land to develop an apple variety. I mean, acres and acres. You have farmers planting hundreds of acres of these trees that they rip out just to land on that one amazing apple. So I'm sympathetic to – there's a lot of upfront costs to developing an apple – and they want to make that money back by basically, you know, front-loading the revenue streams. Um, but I also understand the frustration of a farmer where people are saying, I want Cosmic Crisp because yeah. there's a $23 million campaign and I've heard about it and they can't get it. Yeah, we, we seem to forget that there is a business behind all of this. Completely. It huh. is yeah. a business, yeah. for sure. You know, I, I think one thing that you brought up that was pretty cool that we kind of just glazed over there, Amy, was we talked about, you know, you were talking about the recipes of the pie crust where people put vinegar or... I've actually done it myself where I put vodka in there instead of mm-hmm. water. Uh, can you talk about why people would do that? Yeah. So um, both of them kind of serve a similar purpose. Um, acid like vinegar, any acidic ingredient has a, the function um, of uh, weakening gluten in um, in a pastry. And gluten, of course, is the is the kind of 
is the enemy of many people. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, gluten is can be a, a real problem, um, but but it is a rubber bandy kind of protein structure, which is what causes bread to you know to fill up with air as it rises. Um, it's these kind of picture them as these like rubber bands that kind of hold uh, dough together with. With pie crust, you want a little bit of gluten because obviously you don't want it to crumble apart like shortbread, but you don't want a lot of it because you don't want your crust to be really rubbery and or tough, and gluten will make it tough. So vinegar um, is one of the ingredients that can kind of inhibit gluten formation. Vodka is, um, is a little bit different in that it's just a liquid that does not contribute at all to gluten formation. Water, it takes water to make gluten, water and flour. Vodka is almost like a neutral ingredient huh. that still moistens the flour and allows it to form a dough and become a little more pliable. This is fascinating. This just turned into a science <laughs> show, by the way. But you yeah. are, in fact, if you're just tuning in or you have been tuning in, you're listening to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Kesher with Chef Plum. We are live. Give us a call. Our number is 888-720-9677. 888-720-WNPR. We are speaking to cookbook author Amy Traverso. She is the author of the Apple Lover's Cookbook, All Things Manzana, as we say in Spanish. So many apples, right? Yeah. Well, we've heard so much talk about apple pies and, and different ways to do it and different, you know, people who have been making the same pies for 45 years. I brought in today, and the recipe is going to be up on the website that you got to check out at uh, ctpublic.com slash seasoned. Check it out there. The recipe that I gave and I brought in today that Marisol... I, I destroyed think, in two seconds flat. It's, it's already gone. It's she already, already gone. Had... I literally ate the vessel. I ate everything. Yeah. I have to make it <laughs> chef-y. I, I have to be chef -y. You ate the whole apple? Too? Wow. Well, yeah. So <laughs> it's an inside-out apple pie. So I basically make an, an apple pie filling, right? And I add a little bourbon to it, a little bit of vanilla, cinnamon, huh. nutmeg. Let it all cook down nicely. I actually add a little bit of water to it and I finish it with butter because what happens is it makes its own caramel in there, right? And so oh, what yum. I do... Or caramel? Yes. Caramel, whatever you like to say. Yeah. Uh, then I hollow out some Granny Smith apples, and I take the entire filling and stuff it back into the apple. So good. Roast it in the oven, uh, mm. and then I make pie crust, and then we take the pie crust and stuff it into the apple as well. So it has like a big little, like like a chip of pie crust sticking yeah. out of it in the end. And then you take some of that leftover caramel in the pan and drizzle along the plate. It's delicious. Oh my god, it's kind Amy, of fun, you know. it is so good. I destroyed that it. I'm eyeballing. Amazing. I there are two on the other side of the desk, and I'm just eyeballing them, <laughs> hoping that no one wants them because I am going to stuff my face. You are listening to Seasoned, the live show. We will be right back. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to Seasoned, the live call-in show. I'm talking because my lovely <laughs> co-host has just shoved half of an entire apple cider donut That's hurtful. down his gullet. But yes, we are live. Please call us. We are joined by the illustrious Amy Traverso, the, app, the Apple Lovers Cookbook Cookbook author. She's an expert. She went from apple to science in about two seconds flat. But please do call us. The number is... 888-720-9677, 888-720-WNPR. And Amy, I want to point out, it wasn't half the donut. It was one small little bite. And you know. I'm, Amy, I'm going to take a picture of it, <laughs> and I'm going to DM it to you on your Instagram. Don't you take a picture. And you be the judge. There's no pictures. Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if it's possible to eat just one. The struggle is real when it comes to portion control and every donut. <laughs> Listen, I'm I am a six foot three, two hundred and fifty pound man. Listen, Listen look, I'm, I love I'm I take do big the bikes. Same thing. 
<laughs> By the way, you ate the entire apple in one bite. Okay. So, you see? <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, Amy, we, I think one of the fun things to talk about when it comes to apples, as we touched on it earlier, is cocktails. And, you know, uh, in your book, you have some cocktail recipes as well. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a couple of favorites. Um, there's so many ways you could go with cocktails and apples because you, you have both the option of using apple cider, meaning like the juice, the fresh cider. And then you can also use hard cider for like a sparkling cocktail. Um, but one, one of the ingredients, one of the recipes is a, is actually a cocktail that they, we served at our wedding. Um, like I said, it was a little bit over the top apple. And, uh, so as people arrived, uh, we gambled on an outdoor wedding in early October and it was a little chilly and it ended up raining and the power went out. It was kind of, it was kind oh, of, no. <laughs> Um, as people arrived, they greeted them with this. It was a, it was called coming in from the cold, and it's um, it's just five ounces of cider, sweet cider, a cinnamon stick, a little pinch of sugar, and two ounces of brandy. I like to use an apple brandy because um, obviously you can have brandy. Not obviously, that sounds silly, but you can have brandy <laughs> from grapes or apples. Obviously, obviously, uh, I love. I I just I have to go back because you really it, your wedding really was one big apple fairy tale. In the introduction to your cookbook, you say that the bridesmaid wore shades of red and rose, like the blush on the fruit. Your groomsmen Ooh. sported apple green ties. My friend Gil even designed an apple tree logo for the invitations and programs. The wedding favors, Plum? Yeah. Caramel apples. Of course. That's a great wedding favor. I love that. I mean, it's like you went from zygote to apple connoisseur in two seconds flat. <laughs> Easily. Like, that's well, it, fantastic. It was, it, I feel so bridezilla reading, like hearing that. <laughs> to me, like, I was so fully invested in my theme. It's very embarrassing, but it did lead me to this book. So I'm grateful that I was such a monster. <laughs> I, am wow. I am too. I am too. And you were, it. and you were not a monster. <laughs> well, I've got a simple recipe for you guys as well. All right. You know, okay. I, I figured, you know, listen, and me as a chef, you know, everything has to be relatively simple for me. Cause if, if I, if I overthink it, it gets too hard. Okay. So for me, I just picture yourself. It's a Friday, Saturday night, right? A little bit cold outside. Mm -hmm. You know, you're sitting around the fire pit, maybe in the backyard. Sure. That's what I like to do. Or maybe you're sitting around the, the pizza oven if you're at my house sure. in the backyard. you got to have a great cocktail. I mean. Especially this time of year, right? Hello. Yeah. So I brought in, in my, in my uh, ball mason jar. You I love it. You hear that, right? I'm shaking it up. My apple ginger snap, right? This is the easiest Ooh. cocktail you can ever make. It's got really good apple cider in there. Uh, I make uh, uh, a ginger simple syrup, which essentially is a simple syrup, but I put some ginger in there and let mm. it steep for, you know, three or four minutes, five minutes, whatever you got. Just are, not you, a high. are you grating the ginger? Are no, you slicing it? No, just slice, just chunks. I don't even take the skin off. Just chunk it, throw it in really? there. Yep. And then uh, I use one and a half ounces of good bourbon. And this one has Booker's in it, which is fantastic. <laughs> yes, this is a, mm. a great cocktail. Amy, I I'm so sorry. I have one of these libations in my oh, hand. I'm so jealous. I'm, I, I will take an extra sip just for you. I was so excited to be here in the studio. And like I was like, I got to bring food. I got to bring mm -hmm. drinks. They can't show up and be these handed. Are the, this is, these are the pluses mm. of working with a chef. <laughs> There's always going to be food around somewhere. But the drink is easy. It's, it can serve it cold. You can even serve it warm. I prefer it cold. But on rocks and just, you know, sip on it. It's got that little bit of hint of ginger in the background. The apple's nice and strong in there. And bourbon and apples are best friends. I love it. Oh, yeah. You know, Chef, have you ever had a Jack Rose cocktail? Um, it, uh, Jack Rose sounds like someone's heart I broke back in, you know, 19... <laughs> 
It's actually an oldie. It goes back. It's mentioned in The Sun Also Rises, so like 1920s era way um, kind of stuff. Wow. But um, it's it's so simple. It's it's grenadine or pomegranate syrup or even pomegranate juice. So that let's say half an ounce, uh, two ounces of apple brandy or apple jack, either one, or calvados, whatever. Yeah. And then the juice of half a lime, and you just shake it. So this Come is more on. of like got some warm weather coming this week uh shake it up over ice pour it is the lime uh pomegranate and apple brandy is such a nice combo oh i'm so making that this weekend that sounds incredible right now i love that yeah i love all of that by the way if you're listening and you want some tips on anything and everything apple give us a call it's 888-720-9677 888-720-wnpr we are with amy traverso cookbook author. She's breaking all things down for us on the apple situation. I want to go back to um, though the apple cider donut because I couldn't oh, get yeah. past that big <laughs> chunk that I threw down my gullet. Um, <laughs> I took the tiniest bite. He really didn't. It's, I got to maintain my Adonis-like figure. How do you, I know? I, it's, it's, I can't take my eyes off you right now, Plum. It's unbelievable. No, that's the crumbs on my shirt. Well, Sorry. that too. So, Amy, tell us about your favorite apple cider donut. You have a recipe. I do. So, um, what I, I so my my kind of preferred apple cider donuts. You start out with like a, a syrup. So. Um, Apple cider syrup gives the apple don the donuts a more concentrated flavor. If you just make it with regular syrup, it'll just be a faint apple flavor. This way, you get like a really nice bit of apple. Um, and you can have you can either take regular cider and just cook it down, reduce it, you know, by simmering in a pan, um, or you can um, take cider syrup, which is a product made all over New England. And that is kind of, if you picture, it's like, like I the can go to the grocery store and buy it or go to some sort of provision store. And so get this. It's yeah, it's one of those products that's like, they'll probably have it at Whole Foods, probably not at the supermarket. Mm. It's at the gourmet market. It's a little okay. tricky. That way. You can certainly order it online. And actually my book lists resources for finding um, a lot of cool apple products, including cider syrup. There's an orchard up in Hadley, Massachusetts called Cars, um, and they make, C-A-R-R, they make an amazing um, apple cider, but they also do make a fantastic cider syrup. Um, so so you add that, um, whether you, you boil it down or you use the bottled stuff. Um, and then I like, you know, it's got the usual ingredients of like sugar, butter, eggs, flour, mm -hmm. salt, baking powder, baking soda. Um, and then I like to use also, and spices, nutmeg, cinnamon. I like to use buttermilk because I think, I don't oh. know, Chef, do you agree? Like, I feel like buttermilk just makes most baked goods taste better. <laughs> I completely agree. It gives that little bit of a tang to it and actually a little higher yeah. butter fat too in there, which is great. Okay. Yeah. Thank so you. really nice. And then you, you know, you want to, you fry them up. Um, I use, you know, just kind of a veg basic vegetable oil. You, some people would argue that. If you melt like a Crisco type product, it gets a crisper um, uh, crust. Uh, huh. So you could, but you can base that on like what you're comfortable with using, and then roll them in cinnamon sugar. The one one tip I would give is, you know, you want the temperature of the oil to. You want to want have a thermometer in there, and you want to you want to keep it around 370, 375, um, so that you get the right amount of the. It'll cook quickly enough without burning the outside and it'll cook all the way through. And it also is a little less greasy when you're in that sweet spot. 
Um, wow. So you want to kind of adjust the temperature as needed to maintain, roughly maintain that, that temperature. Man, you know, I think that's a, a really good tip there. You know, I like a lot of people will fry their stuff at around 350, 325. Kicking that up a little bit actually does make a big difference. Hmm. It does because it cooks faster. It won't absorb. It just doesn't give it as much time. Also, it forms a crust, a sort of protective crust faster. So it's just less greasy. But then if you feel like frying is too much trouble, I also have a recipe on page 192 for apple cider, sorry, cider donut muffins. Thank you. Oh, you just... <laughs> I'm literally listening to you too, and I was sweating. I'm like, okay, I'm envisioning, I'm envisioning trying to do this in the kitchen and being like, there's no way I'm going to get to that 375. I'm looking at, so I, so there's hope for me. You're yes? so funny. Okay. So yes. Funny. No, this is such a nice alternative, and it's so easy. Um, and you just make a a really yummy batter that has, again, like it has some reduced apple cider in it. It has, you know, butter, sugar, the same sort of nutmeg mm-hmm. flavor profile. Um, and then you, you know, you bake it normally. At the end, the trick is you, you brush the still warm muffins with a bit of butter and roll them in cinnamon sugar. So you still get that crunchy exterior, right? but yeah. so much easier. Well, I want to point out that as we're having this conversation and talking about all these wonderful fats, my Fitbit's buzzing me, telling me, <laughs> almost there, get up, take 10 more steps for this hour. Uh. Unbelievable. <laughs> let's take a quick call real quick here. Let's get on here. Let's talk to Nancy from Simsbury. She needs some help with apple pie and how not to make it soupy. Nancy, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you. You're very welcome. What um, you need help with? So it's just that at the base of, you know, when you're cutting into your nice apple pie, it's all soupy at the bottom, and everybody says, oh, Nancy, you just have to put egg in it. Mm. And so that I, I'm like, but I can't put egg in it. My daughter's allergic to eggs. I'm not doing huh. the eggs. Yeah, I don't so think I you don't put egg really in it. Know, I, I don't know how to get it to not... And mind you, everybody loves my pie. I'm a novice. I had to. I pulled from all different recipes, trying to make my ultimate butter crust. And okay. literally, you could have bounced it. Well, not bounced, smashed <laughs> it on a wall. The first one I made. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, so, uh, Amy, any any tips on uh, how to make that pie filling not so soupy, soupy and wet? Yes. So you don't. I mean, there, that is a tip where people will sometimes. Um, brush the bottom of their crust, their dough, pie dough, with uh, egg wash, um, which yeah. kind of creates a little bit of a seal. But you really don't need to do that. So the, so if you if you really want, like, a crisp, crisp apple crust, like the bottom crust, if that's important to you, you could par-cook the bottom crust, which means you, you, you know, you heat your oven to 400, you line your pie crust with foil like, or, or parchment paper, you pour in, you know, beans or pie weights, uh, you bake it for like 10 minutes, you remove the pie weights, you uh, dock the crust by like pricking it with a fork, and then you put it back in the oven with nothing in it, and you bake for another, you know, five, seven minutes, and then you have sort of, it means you'll just have a more well-done bottom crust. And then, so when you put in your apples and um, then, you know, it's not going to get as wet on the bottom. Um, Personally, that feels like a lot of extra work um, and I don't typically do it. I just make sure what I like to do, and you might like this too, is I keep a baking stone in my oven all the time. So on the lowest rack, 
I, they're not expensive. You can find them in a lot of places, like yeah, a baking stone. If you just look it up, they, um, or yeah. I think it's just called a baking stone. I don't it's think, and some people also yeah, use like a metal a version of this, but I like a stone one. And basically that thing heats up with the oven. So when you put your pie down on it and um, also use a glass, a glass pie plate will help with this too. Um, when you put that on the baking stone, it kind of sets, it gets the crust cooking more quickly because it's directly touching a hot thing. Yeah, that makes it go a lot faster that way too. It makes it get nice and nice and crisp. Well, Nancy, I hope that helps. Good luck to you. Can't wait to hear how that apple pie comes out. I'm going to jump to one more quick call before we get out of here. I I see this one. uh, It's Pat from Stonington. Pat, talking about rare breeds. We're on the back end of it here, so we got to get it out quick. Pat, what you got? Well, I'm just going to say I have to agree with with, uh, Amy about seeking out the rare breeds. And once you've had a a cold carmine de uh, Sonaville. It's literally life changing. But uh, wow. I like everything about apple season. I'm literally coming home from Clyde Cider Mill in Mystic, and uh, just the smell of the cinnamon and the and the uh, <sighs> smell of the pie crust and the apples. I mean, what's not to like about this uh, time of year? I want to go hang out with Pat. He nice. sounds like fun. Yeah, this you're sounds, fun. This sounds great, <laughs> Pat. What's your favorite rare breed of apple? Uh, Carmine de Sonavilles or a good uh, uh, Ripston Pippin is probably top mm. of my list. Mm-hmm. Wow, how about that? And Pat says, go check out as many orchards as you possibly can. Pat, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you on down Absolutely. the road. Thank you, Pat. And while Pat Thank is... Thank you very much. Thank you. Call again. While Pat has mentioned, he shouted out... Where was he? He was in Mystic? Stonington. In yeah. Stonington. Yeah. Uh, we just wanted to shout out some of the folks who recommended places on our Instagram oh, page. Yeah. Best Apple Orchards, according to the CT Public Instagram page. Lyman's, Great plus spot. Best Cider Mention, Bishop's, Harb's, Scott's, and Glastonbury. These are all great places. These are all fantastic places. Support your local apple places, man. Apple Orchards, support yeah. them. You know? I, I have brought my children since they were very little to Silverman's in Easton. That's a great Shout spot. out. Yeah. Shout out to them. And then the Best uh, Cider Donuts, Roger's Orchard. And Stu Leonard's. Stu's, give huh? Give it up for Stu. How about that? Give it up for Stu. They got, give it up for Stu. <laughs> they got, how much cocktail have you had? Uh, uh, not enough. <laughs> they, they do have delicious donuts, man. I mean, we, we were tasting one here from uh, our producer, Robin, brought us some Rogers Orchards, uh, which is delicious as well. So taste them all. Support them. Go find them. And don't forget, you guys, we have some great recipes on the website. You can check out some stuff here from our brand new, my brand new uh, best apple friend in the entire world, Amy Traverso. And lots of great recipes there. You can check that out at ctpublic.org slash seasoned. Great recipes right there for you. Amy Traverso, it was such a pleasure talking to you about all things apple. I hope we can do it again soon. Thank you so much. It was really fun to nerd out with you guys. (laughs) You're the best. We had a lot of fun with you. I can't wait. I'm going to reach out to you and send you a picture of my inside out apple pie. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I got to make that. (laughs) Thanks, Amy. We appreciate your time. Thanks. Seasoned is produced by Robin Doyanakin, Katie Talarski. Big shout out and thanks to Jean Armantruda and Carmen Baskoff, who helped with today's show. You've been listening to Seasoned, our Apple situation. Our Apple situation is at 100 right now. We have cocktails. We have donuts. We have stuffed apples. There's so much apples going on right now. I don't think they're going to get us out of the studio. They probably won't. We're going to sit here and eat the rest of the day. Can we lock that door? Probably. Thank you so much for listening to Seasons. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks. Mm-hmm.